Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's David Jenkinson. Today we hear from Frank Spotniks, award-winning writer-producer and CEO of London and Paris-based Big Light Productions. He shares his experience of producing during the pandemic and considers what the future holds for the drama business. And Dana Goldberg, chief creative officer at one of the biggest film and TV production houses in the world, Skydance Media, who discusses the long-term impact of COVID-19 on theatrical releases and how the nature of storytelling is changing. Frank Spotniks is an award-winning writer-producer and CEO of London and Paris-based Big Light Productions. I spoke to him as part of a series of interviews for our Coming Up Next series, a co-production with the University of York's Sign programme, about how storytellers have a role to play in making sense of the current cultural and political changes and should be on the side of inclusion, tolerance and understanding. I also tried to find out a little bit more about what he's been working on during lockdown. My normal week, I'm shuttling between London and Paris and I've done that for the past five years. And all of that has come to a screeching halt since mid-March. And so I've been basically locked in this very room for um, all these months, um, staring at a screen like I am right now, talking to people. Um, it's been extraordinarily productive, actually. We've gotten an awful lot of done. I don't, a lot, awful lot done. I don't think we've slowed down one bit during this time. Um, but again, like so many other people, I miss social interaction. I miss seeing people. I miss going out. And I am beginning to get a little tired of this room and a little tired of staring at this screen. How has the pandemic sort of changed your thoughts about the sorts of stories that you, first of all, would like to create and, 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 and write and produce? And, and how is, does that lead to the stories that you think that the world might want to watch? It's interesting because um, I have thought about ideas that are directly related to the pandemic. And there are some of those ideas that may be worth doing, but I suspect that most of them aren't and that most of the stories people are going to tell uh, that spring from this period are not directly related to the fact that we've had to stop ordinary life for a period of time. I think we're in such an extraordinary moment of social and political and cultural and economic change um, that really our task as storytellers is to make sense of all of that. Um, and we're in the midst of it. So it's very hard as a dramatist to reach any conclusions um, about what's happening, but you can't help feeling these very strong currents that are running through the entire world and this instability um, that doesn't feel like it's going to go away anytime soon. And in some ways, the pandemic and the fact that people have been desocialized and um, had more time, honestly, has accelerated a lot of the, the cultural and political change. Um, this has also been obviously hugely destabilizing to uh, what we do, to the production of dramas and to theater. I mean, it's been absolutely devastating. And I do think when the pandemic ends, and you know, fingers crossed it will end in the next uh, 12 months or less, um, there's gonna be extraordinary rebirth. Um, and I'm, I'm very, uh, very excited and eager to see what that looks like. The high points for me about the pandemic have been all related to having more time. So because I haven't been traveling all the time, I've had more time with my family. 
I've had more time to sleep. I've had more time to read. I've gone back and watched literally 75 movies uh, with my, my children. Um, and so it's been sort of a, a recharging period for me, which has been great. And I didn't realize how much I needed it, actually. And I do think, you know, some things will be different when life returns to normal, uh, if such a thing is possible. As I said, I, I am used to traveling back and forth to London every week, at a minimum, going back and forth between London and Paris, with many other trips to uh, Rome and to Berlin and to Toronto and Los Angeles and New York. And, you know, you look at that now and think, was that really necessary? I mean, there's an awful lot of that travel you don't need to do. So I, I expect there will be less business travel going forward uh, and we'll be more selective uh, about that and probably more efficient, probably better for the planet. Uh, it's going to hurt some people economically. I, I think that's going to be the biggest change is I think there's going to be a mix of in-person and virtual uh, meetings that will be probably more humane uh, in the long run. Did you come up with any new ideas during lockdown that you can share? Uh, I have come up with so many new ideas during lockdown. I can't share them because I hope to do them um, and, 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 you know, market them. But um, yeah, it's been an incredibly fertile period. And, and actually going back and, and reading, like having time to read, which I rarely did um, for pleasure, and watching so many of my favorite movies has been hugely inspiring to me. Has the character of those ideas been very much associated to the experience of being in that place, do you think? Or, or really, did you just have enough time to think about, oh, yeah, that, that show that I've always wanted to make, but it's actually a little bit different now? Or, or are they, is the essence of them of the, of, of, the, of the experience? One of the ideas is actually an old idea that I tried to do 20 years ago and didn't get off the ground. And I've, I've been revisiting that. But otherwise, they're all like new ideas. And I do find myself thinking a lot about the 1960s, because that was a period also of huge change, rapid change. And I thought about how difficult it was for filmmakers, more so than television makers, to capture that moment. I don't think television was trying to be as relevant as a film was trying to be in that era. And I do think you're going to see a lot of dramas that are about the present moment, but not set in the present moment. Because it's changing so quickly, I think there's a fear that your show will be out of date by the time it reaches uh, airwaves. So I think you'll find ways to talk about what we're going through, but set in another time or place. That's quite interesting, isn't it? The sort of the, the context for production at the moment. It's almost impossible to make anything contemporary without having reference to the pandemic. So what's the way out of that for producers, do you think? It, it can't not be referenced, can it? <laughs> I think because we're still in the midst of it and still processing it, for a storyteller, it's very awkward to, to come into this. Unless you're going to you know, pick a very personal angle on this, it's, it's hard to say bigger things about it because we don't know yet. Um, so I think you're going to see stories that are, that are smaller or that are uh, set in other times and places. It's my anecdotal uh, observation that broadcasters have rushed toward commissioning non-scripted in the past month because they need to have something on their airwaves and that can be done 
in this environment uh, at a reasonable price. Um, not so much um, drama. I think they're, they're, especially in the English speaking world, we're sort of gingerly reapproaching that. And I think um, it's gonna be fits and starts for a while on that end. We were very fortunate because we were shooting Leonardo, which is an English language production in Italy. And we had to stop in March uh, and we were very fortunate that we were able to resume in June and we're finishing now. Um, and it's ironic because Italy obviously was one of the first and hardest hit, but they've also been among the first to come back. And there's been very, very little incidence of um, COVID in Rome where we're shooting. What is the consequence for your productions going forward? And, and, and how does that uh, affect the sorts of shows that you can make? Are you thinking this is going to be a, a six month, a 12 month, an 18 month? And if so, what are the hurdles that you need to have removed in order to start making drama again? Going forward, I don't think there's a one size fits all answer for what productions will be greenlit. I think there are certain geographic areas where actually it's quite realistic and safe to resume shooting now. Like for instance, shooting in, in uh, Rome has been very safe and, um, and, and easy, really pretty straightforward. And, and the testing uh, requirements haven't really slowed us down very much or been too uh, onerous. And there are other parts of, of Europe, I'm aware, the production has resumed and is, is going forward as normal. I think in areas where COVID um, has never really been tamed, um, it's going to be, uh, we're going to be much more cautious about coming back. Um, I think there are certain kinds of shows, though, that lend themselves to um, shooting in this environment, smaller scale shows, more intimate shows. You know, it's going to be harder to do big shows that have lots of extras and crowds and so on for obvious reasons. Um, so I, I think we will uh, be back in business. Um, but, you know, I, like so many people uh, who do what I do, um, are I'm focusing on development right now and I'm getting ready for when it's practical to go back. It seems that lots of people have turned to television as a as a support during this time. If they haven't if they haven't finished Netflix, they've certainly been watching the news or or, or done a lot of um, a lot of television time. Uh, so maybe the relationship has changed, uh, or people have got to know it a little bit better. And what what do you think the television's role has it changed during the pandemic? And what does it need to be in terms of the sorts of stories it, it gives the audience, and and perhaps the way it becomes part of the solution to some of the questions that have been asked during this time. I thought before the pandemic began, and I continue to think this is the best time in the history of television. There's more good and interesting work being done now than ever before. There's more work being done now, period, than ever before. But so much of it is, is good. I've always believed that you should try to make television that is nutritious. That is to say, it's saying something. It's making you think. It's challenging you. It's television that you will reflect upon and remember. That's not what most television is, but an awful lot of it does fall into that category. And I think, yes, people have rushed to uh, their screens during this pandemic and the lockdown. And it's been, you know, our, uh, our, our fireplace for all of us. We've all gathered around this. And um, to a remarkable degree, I think television has served people really well during this period. I think the most interesting thing is the acceleration of cultural unity, by which I mean 
uh, on platforms like Netflix in particular, you can watch shows from Germany, Turkey, uh, you know, Korea, Africa, all over the world in local languages. And I think there is a cross-pollination of cultures that is happening right now that is unprecedented. And um, I think that's going to be another uh, change that we're going to see reverberations of, you know, for decades to come. And um, I can't help but think that's a good thing. In terms of the sort of the commercial model of making television going forward, clearly it, it had changed a lot over the last couple of years. And maybe it's worth talking a little bit about that and the arrival of the streamers and what that has meant. But it's also perhaps streaming is, has become even bigger and even more powerful. And what consequences that got for traditional television and, and, and the, you know, the existing structures that initially drove it, commercial television, public television, because they seem to be increasingly challenged to, to, to be part of that, uh, that future. And so, so when you're thinking of ideas, are you now thinking of them, of them as only shows for streamers? Or maybe you could take us on a little bit of a journey about how that whole ecosystem has changed over the years and where you see it going next. The business landscape for television is unrecognizable today versus 10 years ago, five years ago. And that is because of the streamers. And these are vertically integrated companies, right? They, they acquire your show or produce your show with you. And then they, they distribute it themselves on their own platform all over the world. So there are no back ends to speak of. And of course, for independent producers, the back end has been the holy grail, has been uh, what you count on. And, and, and if, it's, if it's a show that is solely acquired by a streamer, then you're not going to see that. So it changes the business model quite profoundly. On the other hand, they have a massive appetite and you get to make a lot of stuff. And I think I, like most people who do what I do, your primary reason for doing this is you want to tell stories. Um, it's nice to make money. I mean, you, and you need to make a certain amount of money to, to keep the doors open and to keep hiring people. But, but mostly, um, I'm very excited by the opportunity to tell more stories, more kinds of stories, and to reach a, a bigger audience. And, and honestly, my biggest frustration now is how do I get noticed? How do I stand out in this absolute, you know, it's a fire hose spray of programming coming at people every day and, and to, to rise to the, to the top of people's watch list and, and to be noticed is increasingly um, difficult. But um, no, I'm really uh, excited and uh, optimistic about, um, about the television business right now. How, how do you stand out? I mean, it's a really interesting question to answer, isn't it? Because it's uh, one of the standouts for me over the past few months was normal people. And that was such a quiet show. It almost, maybe it stood out because it was quiet. But w what does standing out mean now? Does it mean meeting a demand in the audience that uh, is just not there? Does it mean being bigger? Does it, is it about subject, genre, or demographic? How, w w what's your thoughts of how, to, how a show can break through, I suppose? I don't really know the secret to standing out in this market. Um, I wish I did my approach is to try and do something that nobody else is doing. You know, don't follow the crowd, do something that is unique and do things that you're really passionate about and that um, will make people think that will entertain them, but also give them something to think about. And then you hope, you know, somehow 
um, you're going to hit uh, a chord, strike a chord with your audience because of that combination of things. But you never know. Um, you know, to some degree, that there's there's a, there's a mystery about this that nobody quite understands. There's some shows that have been massively promoted that somehow just don't, you know, resonate with the audience, and other shows that are unfurled with no fanfare and end up being, you know, huge because of word of mouth. So it's a, it's, it's a mystery. What are you hearing in the business from your colleagues and contemporaries about what they're feeling at the moment? What do you think are some of the, the biggest anxieties that the, that the television business has in terms of what happens next? Not surprisingly, the biggest anxiety I'm hearing right now is when can we return to production, <laughs> right? Um, I am less worried about that. I know we will return to production sooner or later. Um, the bigger concern to me is the hidden economic devastation uh, from this pandemic that we're going to see the effects of for years and years to come. And I, you know, it's like a slow moving car crash. Um, and so many of us are isolated and focused on our own little corner of the Zoom universe that we're not fully aware of just how bad this has been for so many um, businesses and the ripple effects of these, uh, this economic destruction. So we'll, we'll be seeing the effects of that for many years to come. I do think um, the Black Lives Matter movement, um, the voices calling for uh, better integration of, of people of color, that's real and, and you know, long, long overdue. I mean, I've been in this business for 25 years and I've, I've seen this paid lip service to forever and nothing ever seemed to change. And I really do feel even before the pandemic, in terms of hiring women and women directors, there was real change in the last couple of years. And I do think you're gonna to start to see real change in terms of um, more people of color and minority voices uh, being heard. And you know, it, that, that's a huge problem that is, really needs to be addressed. And I, mean, I still think it's a, it's a problem as we're speaking right now, I see it. Um, but I think it's going to get better. I'm, I'm really optimistic it's going to get better. What's on your, what's next for you? Uh, uh, what, what, what projects are you going to be working on next? And what, what can we expect to see from, from Frank Sputniks in the next couple of years? Um, we are wrapping Leonardo. Um, and, and so that'll be the next one out of the gate, um, which I'm really excited about with Aidan Turner and Freddie Highmore. Um, I have two other uh, series that are greenlit, but I, I can't announce them yet. So Big Light's very busy. Um, and then I've got some more shows that, that are mine that are hopefully um, going to be greenlit uh, in the next little while. So as I said, I, I think it's a great time to be in television and I'm really, uh, really optimistic. Frank Spotniks. Dana Goldberg is Chief Creative Officer at one of the biggest film and TV production houses in the world, Skydance Media. She spoke to me about the long-term impact of COVID-19 on theatrical releases and how the nature of storytelling is changing. With big movies like Top Gun Maverick held over to July next year, what does she think the long-term future is for blockbuster films and how is the role of television changing? Skydance, I think, is known first for our features, where we tend to exist in the big tentpole world. You know, we make the Mission Impossible movies and Jack Reacher movies and most recently The Old Guard for Netflix. We also did Six Underground for Netflix, um, World War Z. We have a first look uh, relationship with Paramount and we make a lot of our theatrical films with them. 
And then on the television side, however, we're much more, I would say, genre agnostic. We have all kinds of television shows. You know, all you have to do is really look at Netflix, you know, one network as an example. We have Grace and Frankie, which we were in the midst of shooting season seven, which will be its final, which will end its run as the longest running Netflix show in history with obviously with Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. And then on the other hand, we've also had Altered Carbon at Netflix, which is big, hardcore, almost steampunk sci-fi. Currently we have Foundation, you know, the Isaac Asimov famous science fiction book series, which we were shooting uh, when COVID hit, but we will be bringing that back up in October in Ireland. And we are thrilled about that show. We also have Jack Ryan over at Amazon. Um, and we are currently in the process of casting Jack Reacher, which will also be over at Amazon. It's a, it's a hell of a slate and uh, some absolute uh, sort of stellar brands there. I wonder if we can just st- talk a little bit about how COVID impacted everything. And I think everyone knows that production was stopped sure. in lots of ways. But what's happening now? How are you coming out of uh, it with a lot of those productions? As I said, we were involved in the Mission Impossible franchise with Paramount. And uh, ironically, that was, I think, the first movie to be shut down because at the time we were supposed to start shooting in Italy. We're bringing that back up in Norway. So we're excited to be bringing that back up. You know, as I said, we were shooting Grace and Frankie in Los Angeles and Foundation in about five different countries. But at the time we were in Ireland. And we, um, we're going to be bringing that back up, starting again in Ireland in October. And, you know, I think we've all gone to school a lot in the last few months. I think everyone in this industry, everyone in the world has had to, but in this industry specifically, in terms of what is the most important thing, which is how do we bring these productions back up safely and responsibly for everyone involved? Of course, everyone wants to get back to work. We've all been home for a very long time, but there's no doing that until it's done, as I said, safely and responsibly for everyone involved. And thankfully, you know, all the guilds, all the studios, you know, we've all spent the last many months working through what the protocols will be so that people can go back to work safely. How is it going to influence what you make next? Are you going to be looking for a different type of, of programming sure. to make after, after, after COVID? In television, we're genre agnostic. We love smaller home-based shows like A Grace and Frankie, but we also love our world-building shows like Foundation. For example, we have another project over at Amazon called Seven Eves that will also be another giant world-building show. And we're never going to stop making those. But yes, you have to adjust now how you're making them. Will you throw a thousand extras together for a crowd scene? No you know, that's not going to happen for a while. So will there be, will you be spending a little more on CG to accommodate that? Absolutely, you will. But in terms of the production process, it's, you know, we've all been making TV shows and movies the same way for a very long time. And now we're all going to have to learn a new way where, you know, people are, the easiest way to describe some of it is that, you know, people are in different categories in terms of who they interact with. That way, if you have someone who tests positive, you're not shutting down an entire show. You're shutting down sort of the pod of people that they were involved with. And incredibly strict health guidelines, safety guidelines, and we will follow those in every country we're in. Specifically, we have a movie that's going to go up right now. We're scheduled to go up in Vancouver in November, and we, will, we are planning on quarantining everyone for two weeks as, as appropriate. So we will follow all the guidelines. And as I said, we want to entertain. We all want to go back to work, but we're all going to do it the right way. If you look 
historically at, at difficult times in history, whether it's post-wars or post-depressions, people have always gravitated towards aspirational, inspirational, more lighthearted fare, be that comedies, be that musicals, be that adventures. And we're going to pay attention to that as, as I think everyone else is, you know, I think the, the world right now is a scary place and we all know it. And I think people do not, frankly, in this moment, want to be preached to in their entertainment. I don't think they want to see dark and dystopian. I think people want to be reminded that it's all going to be okay. And they want to laugh and they want to dream again and go to fantasy lands and all of those things. And that's what we're going to focus on. What do you think the, the commercial or the, the television landscape is going to look like after COVID? And uh, what, who, who are the most challenged, do you think? Well, I think the broad, all the broadcast networks have to figure out how to compete with the streamers. And, and they are, which is, is expanding the types of shows that they're willing to make, how many they're willing to make so that people aren't necessarily you know, slaves to a 22 to 24 episode season if they want to do a comedy on broadcast. But I think it's always going to be about the content. You know, at Skydance, we have a saying, whether we're talking about our animation division, our television division, our features, or even, you know, our interactive gaming division, it all starts with story. If you put a good story in front of people that makes them think, makes them laugh, makes them cry, entertains them, they're going to find it. But the bar has been raised for everybody. You know, the competition is fierce with all the streamers that are figuring out their way in this world. Obviously, Netflix led, led the charge on that. And look, we're thrilled. We love working with Netflix. Grace and Frankie was their first original half-hour comedy. Um, as I said, we'll be thrilled that it will end as their longest-running show. And on the feature side, we happily have two of their top six films with Six Underground and recently The Old Guard. So we're thrilled with Netflix and all of, the, all of their streaming brethren. So again, I think the competition will be as fierce as it's ever been and frankly more fierce than it's been, but it's still going to come down to content and it's still going to come down to the story. This was a time when lots of anxieties came to the fore as well, wasn't it? It wasn't 2020 is not just a year of a viral pandemic. It's a Black Lives Matter. It's the mums movement. It's, yep. um, you know, the sort of the, the, whether it's the rise of populism or the end of populism in, in all of in, in, in lots of our countries. What is the inclusive mission? Where do you think we're at with it and what happens next? Look, I think the mission is to be inclusive. I'm happy to say we have been and we will continue to be. Um, but I think without question, this is a, a tipping point moment, not only for this industry, but I think for, for the whole world to say Black Lives Matter very clearly. And who's telling stories and how we're telling those stories you know, it's not as though we weren't paying attention to that before, but now there is a, a steel-focused gaze on it. And, and again, I I couldn't be more proud of the old guard. Uh, again, you know, Gina Prince-Bythewood uh, directed our film, which we, we're insanely proud of. And, you know, for example, we have three female producers on that movie. And very specifically, um, our post-production team was 85% female. And one of the things I love so much about the response to the film has been not only that, yes, it was entertaining and yes, it, it, it was a kick-ass action movie and Charlize is amazing, but it really spoke to people in terms of its organic diversity. It wasn't something that was manufactured. It wasn't something that was done to, to you know, 
send a message home. It was organic to the story. The story was built that way about these three dimensional characters who one was African-American, two were gay and the world embraced it. And we're just so happy about that because again, they loved the content. They loved the creative. What was your own personal experience of, of the pandemic like when we all pressed that pause button and we all sure. sat there thinking how we were going to do things differently when it all got back to normal? Um, what, what were your, the moments that you had and what learning will you, will you take away from that, from that time? Or did it all just go crazy and you didn't have a moment to think? In the moment, I don't think anybody had a true understanding of how much time we were going to be talking about. You know, we left our offices on, on March 13th and I think in the back of our heads thinking maybe it'll last to the end of the summer, maybe, but didn't really wrap. I don't think anyone was really capable of wrapping your heads around a moment where everyone on the globe basically just hit pause. And now that we're in a phase where people are coming up at different times, it's wrapping your head around that. You know, we throw around words like unprecedented rather easily. It, it fits. It is a, just a completely unprecedented time. And I think in the beginning, I thought, okay, we're going to have more time to, to really just think and, and, and sit back and be creative. And while, yes, we are getting time to do that, we've been insanely busy, both figuring out, again, how to bring back back the productions we brought down, how to bring back new, how to bring up new productions, and then continuing with everything that you had asked me about in terms of what we wanted to do creatively, developing those shows. You know, we spent a lot of time during this period really developing what for us will be the next slate of features and the next slate of television shows. And everybody has to find their way in this, in this period of time. You know, we have some writers who they said this has been the best time ever for them writing because they've just been able to focus. And other writers who have very honestly said, I, I don't know how to be funny right now. I, I don't know how to write the future for my characters when I actually don't know what our own future looks like. So it's, it's a by-case-by-case by case basis. How will the business change going forward, do you think? What, 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 will, what will you do differently? I know there'll be rules to follow and standards to adhere to, but, and, and, and perhaps the tone of stories and things might change. But how do, how do you think things will really structurally or, or significantly change over the next year or two? Sure. I mean, the biggest question is distribution, and it's what everyone is focused on right now. I mean, I think we all believed that, that we would get closer and closer to the window shattering on day and date for theatrical releases. And I think, you know, what's happened in the last five months probably moved us forward what would have taken years. Um, now, at Skydance, we are big believers in the big theatrical experience. We, we love our tentpole films. We love going to the movies. I personally desperately miss going to the movies. So we're always going to believe that, again, if you build a truly theatrical experience, if you be, build something that people want to see on a big screen, when it's safe, they will come and we will provide that content for them. That said, you have to be able to be flexible. You have to be able to pivot. People have learned, not as though they didn't on before COVID, that they wanted things when they wanted them on their schedule. But now through a series of films and television shows, and again, the whole world being home and watching, they've gotten really used to it. And we all know that. And I think with the backlog of films that were supposed to be released in 2020 that are now being pushed to 21 and all the films then that were already supposed to start in 21, figuring out release dates, it's just going to get harder and harder. So I do think the bar for what is 
a theatrical event just will keep getting higher. In this time as well, we had uh, very big brands like Quibi, which which sort of launched in the middle of all this. And 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 uh, Katzenberg would definitely have us all believe that the COVID experience didn't make that the the success it was going to be. And all sorts of new forms of uh, uh, of content getting to market. What do you think about uh, the form of content changing over t- over time? And is something like a mobile experience going to do you think be attractive for content? How 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 sort of generally and broadly do you think that the way people get and receive their content will change and if you if you do have a view about Quibi what what do you think about this sort of mobile shorter form content honestly I feel for Quibi I mean because I do think they launched it what had to be the hardest time in the world for them to launch as their whole concept was built on I think people you know taking in content in these short bites and it happened at a moment in time where everyone went home and had time to actually sit and really just dive into content in much you know lengthier terms. So in terms of what happens for the future of the, the short form of creative like that, honestly, I think it's too soon to tell. I think it's going to depend on what the new normal quote unquote looks like when we are all on the other side of this post a vaccine, po- you know, post the world really opening back up as a whole. I think you know, we're going to learn a lot then. And in the meantime, I think it's the focus has to be for everyone to make the best creative. And again, at Skydance, our motto is we will then figure out the best distribution system. If we think for financial reasons, for creative reasons, it serves a film best to go theatrical, we will do that. If we feel it serves the, the creative best to go streaming, we will do that. You know, both Six Underground and Old Guard are movies it's not as though we didn't believe they could be theatrical experiences. Both of them obviously could be, but for different reasons. Six Underground was a very expensive Michael Bay, Ryan Reynolds, R-rated original concept. We could go to Netflix where they would wholly embrace the creative, wholly embrace the budget and the rating, which in the case of that movie, we really did feel was important because that the tone of that movie is what we felt differentiated it from other sort of spy country hopping movies, a la Mission Impossible. Um, and then with Old Guard, same thing. It was also R-rated um, in that budget range that is difficult for theatrical, which is around a $70 million budget, because at that budget range, you're competing with $200 million productions and trying to figure out a way to break through the noise. So that, that mid-range genre of film, mid-range in terms of budget, it's harder and harder theatrically. That doesn't mean it can't work. That doesn't mean there won't be exceptions to the rule. But what it means and what I'm proud of our company for doing is you have to be flexible. You have to be able to pivot for what is best for that specific piece of content. There is no cookie cutter approach to this anymore. In terms of your own development, what can we expect to see over the next uh, couple of years? Have you got things uh, in the mix that are going to be highlights? And, and is, it, is anything going to change because of what's happening in terms of the sort of stuff you're putting into development? We're sitting on a few movies that we love that we just wish the world could see. One of those being Top Gun Maverick, uh, which is finished, but will now be released July 4th of next year. And it's, it, for example, that's a movie that we so wish we could just put out into the world right now because it's aspirational and fun and it will make you laugh and it will make you cry and the visuals are unlike anything you've ever seen and Tom is incredible in the movie so that's one that we look forward to being able to show to the world about 10 months from now in terms of other future development 
we have a big four quadrant adventure Indiana Jones like film that we're developing with Scott Derrickson. We do think families are going to want to go back to the movies and we're really looking forward to building that type of four quadrant adventure film. We're again, we're building things that we think are fun and aspirational and entertaining. Are there some things, particularly in our television side, that we are putting in a drawer for later? Yes. You know, we had some, I would say, dystopian, darker material that we were developing. And right now, that's not, that's something we're going to hit pause on. What would you like the business to, to have learned from this? You know, when we look back on this time in future, what, what lessons do you think we will have learned? And, and, and what will be the positive contribution of, uh, of this time? I think the positive contribution of this time is that we'll never forget that there was a moment where we all just stopped. And in that moment, we all wanted to be entertained. And I do think that's sort of the thing we have to hold on to in this business as yes, distribution gets harder and actually physically building a production is harder is that I do believe it is important to entertain. I I think people what we learned during this time is people turned to their screens, they turned to their devices and said, well, yes, I'm going to watch the news and yes, I'm going to participate in what is happening in my world. I also want to be transported to other worlds. I also want to escape. And I think it's important to remember that, that that's a necessary thing. Dana Goldberg. That's all for today's show. If you've something you'd like to talk to us about, drop us a line to press at c21media.net. We'd love to hear from you. And if you like the podcast, please give us a review. Every little helps. We hope you're safe and well wherever you are and getting back to some kind of new normal. My name's David Jenkinson. Thanks for listening.